1: Learn more at Marines.com.
2: Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at NorthMemorial.com family.
1: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand.
3: It's purple daily. Well, it makes it tough because it's not just him. It's you know they got Cooper on the outside, thirteen uh, Gallup, He makes you know he makes it hard. I think Prescott has thrown the ball really well. You know he got weapons at tight end, so you know I don't think you can just hang your hat on saying, hey, we're going to stop Ezekiel. In. All right,
1: welcome into Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels, as we do every Monday and Wednesday from 2 to 3 o'clock. And, uh, Sage, off the air, you asked Jonathan, what does Matthew want to start with today? And I said... That would be nice to know. I said to tell you whatever the hell I feel like. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to give a little tweak here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change
4: our style here. Yes? Okay, so... Can I, can I, uh, bring this up then? We'll do this live over there. My question is, I basically have to come up. I, you know, when we get ready for this show, I, obviously I've watched some film and I've looked at some stats as well. So I have a couple of different screens up here on my laptop and you, but you have deep dived into, deep dove into all these different stats. Divin. and uh, Yeah, you've divin. <laughs> No, yeah, that's yeah. Not, whatever that's, you've it's done, dive, uh, you've done all yeah, this prep on these questions. I'm not even sure what you're going to ask me. So that's it's right. like, huh? Keep it'd be it nice tells. to know. I mean, other than the fact that we play the Cowboys this week in Dallas, uh, should be a great game. <laughs> And uh, all the things that we you know, we also talk about, uh, you know, so, I, so I'm looking at Dallas stats and maybe he'll go off. What do you think of this matchup and Adam Thielen being out and, you know, the sort of the storylines? But I have no idea what you're going to bring up to me. I know, and so I'm great? like playing catch up half the time of like, OK, he wants to talk about this. I better look that up and see, you know, what the stats and the, the numbers are. So you are on top of it. And uh, every day it's like I, I have no idea what we're going to talk about today, and I think that's that's sort of exciting for me. It should be, that's, but that's it's why hard. I
1: don't tell you. That's why we just start, and you have to go off schedule, so to speak. There are certain quarterbacks who are better or worse than that, and uh, you know, as a broadcaster, you are good at going off schedule. But that's why I was going to turn the tables on you, Sage. Can, can we do that? Do
4: you I, want to go off schedule I, today and I, talk I, about the top sixteen quarterbacks of the Chris Sims? Oh my God, no uh, list. And how Drew, I disagree Drew Brees with it?
1: below Kirk Cousins made me climb to the top of the tower here outside of Hubbard Broadcasting and almost jumped. I mean, off. Can, can we can we talk about that sometime sure, today? Let's do it. This, uh, let's talk about hour. it right now. Right. Let's talk about it right now because I was going to ask you where you wanted to start since I always decide where we're going to start. If you want to start with Chris Sims's cockamamie quarterback rankings, which have been ludicrous from the very beginning when he started putting them out in the summer and become more hilarious as we go along, then let's
4: do it. So what did you what did you laugh hardest at with Chris? Sims? Well. You know, I watch a lot, all the Vikings, obviously, every snap, and I usually watch the game twice, and... Uh, You know, looking at stats and things. And I watch Iowa State. That's my alma mater. I watch Chicago Bears offense. Those are the three things I really focus on. And then I catch as much football as I can, you know, on the side and highlights. And and some games here or there, you know, Sunday night game, the Monday night game. and and, uh, But then these lists come out. And, you know, I haven't really seen Matthew Stafford play very much this year. It looks like statistically he's been playing great. But I haven't really seen him play too much because I don't really care about the Lions because I don't think they're going to be in the mix, you know, later on down the line. So Chris Sims uh, comes out with this list. And, uh, I was driving today and I heard him on, I think it was the Stu Gott show or something, and they were talking, uh, um, uh, wh- whoever was out, his, his partner Dan Lombard was out of the studio, or whatever. So they were starting to get into this discussion. He was, of course, trying to back up. Uh, uh his answers and why and you know then I got home and I got busy so uh but I see people of course criticizing it which I-, I was wanting to do I'm looking at some of these things and I'm like are you you'd rather have Kirk Cousins than Dak Prescott and Jacoby Brissett and Carson Wentz like are you cra- Andrew Brees are you crazy like okay, really I, yeah I've you got, I've got, got you, Have got you not seen him play this year I have like, it up what here. are you looking at uh, and how is he making his team better and seeing all these other guys, you know, Carson Wentz? I mean, how is he having his 11 to Kirk his 8? Some of these some, some of the things really did shock me.
1: So here's, here's his list. I'll just give it to you. Top 16. He's got Russell Wilson, number one, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, Jacoby Brissett. Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, Brees, Carr, Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Kyler Murray. And the the ones for me that were obviously problematic here were Matthew Stafford at 6 and Kirk Cousins at 8 over Drew Brees. Now, I know that Drew Brees was out for a while, and and I don't know if that's why he's factoring it. I don't think when you rank quarterbacks, you rank the dude had a thumb injury. But I would put Drew Brees well above those guys, depending on... Um, just, you know, maybe how good Tom Brady's playing at the time. But I would also put Tom Brady a little bit higher than even seventh. I think I would have him right up there in the mix. Lamar Jackson's playing great. He's got to be up there. You know, obviously, Mahomes is going to be because he was the MVP last year. I do think Derek Carr is playing really well this year. But to have Breeze down there was very, very bizarre.
4: Yeah. And then, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's 8 0. You know, I don't know. Yeah. He's at 15. So maybe he should be higher and. And, you know, I, I, don't know, but, uh, you know, people have, he has Aaron Rodgers' three. And of course, I love Aaron's game, but he, he hasn't had some spectacular year, but you know, his stats are, 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 really, really good. And they're winning a lot of football games too, but you know, his numbers are down, but maybe it's good that they're down because they're actually running the football and playing defense and doing some other things. So, uh, it's an interesting list. And, and, uh, I, I do think having cousins at eight. Right behind Tom Brady and Matt Stafford and, and Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, those are the guys in front of Kirk Cousins. And behind him is Jacoby Brissett, uh, who is playing like maybe one of the best steals in the NFL right now. Yeah, with he's playing great. At, I think, making fifteen million a year. I think Dak Prescott's a pretty good player. I really do. I, I, I think he's, he's won a lot of games and he's, won, he has carried his team sometimes and he's had bad games too, but he's a guy that I wouldn't mind having the ball in his hands. Uh, you know, tie game with, uh, uh you know, two, two minutes and 30 seconds left, like, like happened the other day. Uh, Carson Wentz, I, I, you know, I've seen some Eagles this year, but he looks pretty dang good to me. Uh, and you know, of course my guy Breeze is I'm always, you know, thinking that he's, uh, uh, higher than that, and, and they're winning a lot of football games, and he's playing well, came right back, and, and some of these guys, a guy like Brees, he's been injured, he's been out some, but. You know what? You knew his injury. Who was going to come back, and he was going to lead the team down the stretch, and he has done that. So, like you know, I get you know, I give him like you know, Drew Brees has played well this year, type of type of thing. So, uh, you know, Derek Carr, I've not seen because I don't really care too much about the Raiders. Though it looks like they are getting back in the mix here. Uh, and Matt Ryan, the, the Falcons are really are are, are bad. So yeah, there's some interesting names. I, I would put Garoppolo definitely higher, and and I would put. Garoppolo higher than Kirk Cousins. I've seen Garoppolo go out and actually win a game with his team down or or, you know, do some great things. I just have not seen that out of Kirk, and I think he's way too high. I'd have him actually lower on this top 16 list. So I'm
1: looking at what pro football focus has for its grading system, which is clearly more scientific. So at least these two agree on number one, which is Drew Brees. PFF has, or I'm sorry, Russell Wilson, but PFF has Drew Brees number two, Carson Wentz three. I think Carson Wentz has played spectacularly well. To even have them in the mix with that defense, which is a complete joke. I think he's elevated himself. He's also been without Deshaun Jackson. His receiver, Nelson Aguilar, couldn't catch a ball for the first four weeks of the season. Uh, And then after that, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, and Dak Prescott. So let's talk about Prescott versus Cousins. Because I have been a Dak Prescott, I don't know what you want to call it, defender or supporter, whatever we call things now.
4: Um, Question, question. Can you ever actually be on the board early, feel like you picked a winner, the winner's done pretty well, and you have them, you're like, hey, I was on board early, and then let's just say Dak Prescott falls apart. Will you jump ship or will you sell st- no 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 <laughs> Well
1: that depends because that, that does happen sometimes. I'll give you an example. Cam Newton. I
4: mean Cam, Cam Newton is Cam- like that with everybody. And I thought early on, I was like, I think he's gonna have some good years, but I just don't see this style and the way he holds on to the football and the way he has this bad footwork and, and and he's gonna he can't run that much, so that's gonna sort of deteriorate and he's a big guy. And I, I sort of saw that coming. I thought a couple years ago, people had, had him as a Hall of Famer.
1: Right, and I think that coming into the league and the things he did early, especially with his legs, they, it won them a lot of football games. And when he won the MVP, and that's one of the best quarterback years I think I've ever seen. From He was throwing the ball much better that year, but yep. then he was running like crazy. And people look at quarterback rating for him, but go, scroll down and look at how many touchdown runs he has. And Tons if you tacked those on to his quarterback rating, then I bet it would be a hell of a lot higher. Oh, and listen, he had
4: some good years. Like, he did yeah. have some legit good years and, and where he was a really, really good player, you know, short and of, stop, sort of like this kid, uh, Lamar Jackson, right? I mean, I, have heard a great, uh, somebody said, I think it was Stu Gott said, uh, I, you know, I'd like, to, I'd love to have seven of eight years of this Lamar Jackson, uh, uh because I feel like, you know, that's worth, that could be worth, you know, fifty. It's hard to get a fifteen-year guy to an Aaron Rodgers right. or a Russell Wilson or one of those guys. But I'll take eight, nine years of this, or four or five years of this, or whatever. Of defense is really struggling. It's a certain. It's a different style of football. It's almost like Army Navy. It's almost going back to just a different style. But how long can Lamar Jackson do this without being a great thrower like a Tom Brady? Right. You know, and with with Cam Newton, that was the question, and I didn't think it was going to be that long. These guys on defense hit. It is a different game than college football. And uh and you know, big big guys like him, they a lot of times they do just sort of break down a little bit and and uh and and that that sort of seems like what's what's happened with his game. So I remained on the Dak Prescott
1: uh bus when he had his down second year because he lost his offensive lineman that year, and I think Ezekiel Elliott was either was it a suspension or was injured that season. It wasn't the same and the supporting cast dipped significantly, and yet he went nine and seven. So when you're supporting cast falls apart around you and you could still go nine and seven. He had four game winning drives that year. I thought he played pretty well overall, and then he bounces back. The supporting cast is better 2018. He has a good season. They go 10-6. and six. They win a playoff game. Again, three fourth-quarter comebacks, five-game winning drives. You add the running element to him, uh, uh, what he did after he got Amari Cooper, uh, as opposed to being forced to throw Des Bryant, the washed-up version, the ball all the time. I thought that helped him a ton. I'm not always convinced how good his offensive play calling was in the past, but then Kellen Moore has come in and done a lot of really good things. For him, I mean, circumstances impact these players a lot, but there are some guys that seem to be able to overcome things going wrong and have a knack for that. And then you add the athletic and the running ability and the toughness that he brings. I think he's got a leadership element to his game. All that stuff seems to win pretty consistently. Like I don't think he's a quarterback that could overcome everything just with his arm, but you add the fact that if you put the guy in the red zone, he's going to be able to run for so, a touchdown. Or, so dak or a third prescott down and long. has
4: a dak Prescott has a sort of a w- winner element to him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Russell yeah. Wilson does too. Uh Russell Wilson's just better, but, but they both have it. It's where they just sort of uh, they can do a lot of things. They're strong. They can, you know, the, the threat to run in the end zone is huge in the NFL. And even Aaron Rodgers, uh, is good enough to you know, occasionally pull it and be a threat. You know, you don't want to do that all the time. That, that's the problem with Cam Newton, right? That might be the problem someday with uh, Lamar Jackson is you don't want a guy who's doing it all the time, but he's a threat that way. When he came out, I saw a preseason game. I think it was like the second or third preseason game. Maybe he played a couple of them I saw. And I looked at his motion and his body. I'm like, that looks like a, Don Mc, a Donovan McNabb that I think is more accurate and is a better thrower, mm-hmm. and probably going to be in better shape, like long term. <laughs> I loved, I loved the way the ball came out of his hand. <laughs> yeah. He had a quick release. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, he was accurate. He was make, and and he was a rookie. And I'm sitting going, like, I remember when I was a rookie and just how unprepared I was. Yeah. I also knew when he was at Mississippi State, he was a winner, and they ran the ball and they ran more of a It may little more of a spread, but he looked like when he was in the NFL, he understood these, you know, uh, NFL style defenses. He was completing balls and there's accurate and those things. So I've been on board since then. And you know, that's when things around you change. But at the end of the day, 13 and three, uh, nine and seven, 10 and six. Now he's five and three. You know, five and three with a home game against the Vikings here. So I have liked the way he has consistently played. He's, you know, kept his teams are always in the hunt and, and he also, he plays a lot of games. He has played 16 games in all three seasons and now he's eight for eight, uh, in this season. And so, you know, availability, durability, those types of things. I mean, he is a franchise quarterback. Uh, and, and you know, in some ways, been better than Carson Wentz who, so, you know who's missed some time with injury so and I love Carson Wentz and so yeah I like Dak Prescott and he's having a a very very good year and and this is going to be it's like this defense is going to be tested this week and mm-hmm. uh, I am really I, I you know I said this is a huge huge game for the Minnesota Vikings and you know Dak Prescott's going to be right at the middle of it and I'm looking forward to him play uh, on Sunday
1: so two interesting elements off of Dak Prescott when we compare it through the lens of Kirk Cousins and and the running you mentioned is a big part of it for me. So far in his career, he has 21 touchdowns on the ground. He also has 93 first downs rushing. He has 13 this year, 30 first downs rushing last year, which I think is a huge deal in the NFL. You get to third down and five or something, and your opponent's playing man coverage, and yet they have to factor in for the fact that Dak Prescott might take off and get you an extra first down instead of having to do all of it with his arm. And then you add the fact that in college he took a program that was – Pretty woeful to being at one point ranked at the top of the nation. I factor that stuff in. I factor the the winning. That's, t- element that's the to Drew
4: Brees it. thing. That's yeah. the Drew Brees thing. He took this college. That, you know, always hasn't isn't. As successful usually as the conference around it, and you go, man, the years he was there, they won a lot of football games. That means something. He's doing these things that you can't put into like these numbers uh, of quarterback rating, and yeah, so yeah, it's he's a good player. And now they've, they've got that, you know, they've got that game. They're, they have a little bit of the Vikings game in the sense of they want to run the football. They've really invested in this offensive line. Obviously, they invested in this running back. They've got some receivers. Out. Amari Cooper. I mean. I don't know what to say. Amari Cooper on uh, on Xavier Rhodes and Trey Wayne's the way they played uh a lot of this season that that's going to be interesting and this number 13 he he's one heck of a player. Uh had they had a the touchdown last week and they're doing some of that play action stuff. They do some of the bootleg stuff. Uh you know, they have a pretty wild machine there and uh and they win a lot of games. And so uh you know, they said I I'm interested to see some of those matchups this week. I don't know what the Vikings are going to do. They you know, if they play a little more cover 2, a little more, you know, quarters man, uh, you know, change some things up. But it's going to be, you know, to stop that run and stop that pass, you know, if they play all that man-to-man, it might be interesting, uh, you know, against these corners and against the secondary.
1: So here's what's fascinating to me is a lot of the running quarterbacks in the NFL, they get pressured a lot because they try to do something extra, right? So they're running around and... Oh, now Russell Wilson's pressured on 40% of his dropbacks. He's almost always number 1 in the NFL because he can hold on to the ball longer. He knows he can escape. He knows he can keep his eyes downfield and make plays off schedule. What's interesting to me about uh, Dak Prescott is that he does not get pressured a whole lot. I mean, he's way down on the list with guys who get the ball out quick, like Kyle Allen, who's running this offense where, you know, they want him to throw those screens quickly to Christian McCaffrey and things like that. He's 24th in the percentage of time that he's pressured, and part of that is because he does have a really great offensive line. And the way that Kansas City shut down Daniil Hunter last week, which is very, very rare, you have now Tyron Smith taking on Everson Griffin. What a battle there of two incredible monsters going at each other with Griffin having a great year. Tyron Smith is a Hall of Fame talent. And with Prescott, I I feel like that's a huge part of his success and something that the Vikings have usually not faced that often this year. They've usually been able to get pressure on almost every single quarterback, but when they weren't able to do it as consistently with Matt Moore, I thought he was able to make some plays downfield. I would be concerned about the offensive line and how much time Dak Prescott has to throw. If I'm the Vikings,
4: yeah, this is a huge game, uh, and sort of a challenge game for this defensive line. They're going again, going against an offensive line that they've drafted pretty well. They've signed guys. They are expensive uh, and pretty healthy this year. They got Jason Witten back, and I think that's actually made uh, uh, an impact on this offense. He's still. Guy is still getting open. He is still when teams go, you know, hey, we're gonna we're gonna double the outside people or double double somebody else. He has a way of getting some separation, and uh, you know, he's always been a pretty good run blocker. So uh, you know, they've got a group up front that is gonna challenge. Uh, you know, if, who, you know, sort of this is a um, defensive ends inside guys like Mono or Mono. This is a huge matchup to watch, you know, as well. And and uh, you know, at the, but at the center of the whole thing, Dak Prescott, and and we'll, we'll see how he plays. And there are games where he does throw the ball. Uh, to the other team a couple times, and and uh, you know he'll he'll you know make some bad reads and try to force the ball and maybe turn the, you know football over in the pocket. He does that occasionally. His interception numbers are up this year. He's at eight. Uh, he had eight all of last year, so that's an aspect that he hasn't uh, been as careful with the football. So you know we, we will see how, how he does behind that line. That uh, they put a lot of good pieces around him. I'm telling you, Amari Cooper is a really good player. Tavon Austin is one of those guys that just flies. You know then they got Randall Cobb. This is the old vet, and and you know Ezekiel. I, 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 running back in Witten and the, oh Gallup that Michael Gallup man he's he's, he's an athlete second yeah. round pick from from uh Colorado State uh, he's a ram out there and and uh he may he a <laughs> touchdown the other night you can sort of see his athleticism so you know in that in that style of offense you can run the football and you want to do some play action bootleg you got to have some guys that can just roll that can just take the top off they can just fly you can double move them uh, uh, you know, Stefan Diggs can do that. That's the thing that's so special with him is that he's quick, but he also can go really, really deep. Tavon Austin, one of the fastest guys in the league. I think they got Michael Gallup doing some of these things too. And that opens it up for all these other guys for Witten and, and Cobb and these guys for some of these crossing routes to, to be underneath. And obviously he said, you know, the checkdowns to, to Zico Elliott are pretty good options. And so, yes. you know, the linebacker and running back, you know, though that's going to be an interesting matchup too. You know, Zico Elliott's really good and it's going to be a lot of, him matched up one-on-one versus Kendrickson uh, and Anthony Barr. This team is going to be tested defensively and uh, you it know, should, be, should be interesting to see how it plays out.
1: So I will uh, give you a heads-up here. Next segment, I was going to ask you about running back value. So keep that in your mind. We will get to that because Delvin Cook talked about it today. But uh, before we get to a break here, Sage, I want to know how you would decide how to rank quarterbacks. I mean, everyone just says, like, okay, it's this guy playing better than this guy this year or whatever else. I kind of look at it through a little bit of a different lens. I look at it through, if I was going into a season where I knew if I'm a head coach, I'm getting fired, here's how I would rank the guys that I want to be my quarterback. So let's just say, for example, Mitch Trubisky would not be very high on my rankings because he will get me fired more likely than not. Now, if I have Tom Brady, great chance not only I don't get fired, but we're raising a trophy at the end of the season. And then everything in between there. I have probably Dak Prescott higher than most people would because I think, you know what, I think this guy can grind me victories even if I screw up as a coach or even if things go wrong. And and when you look at Cousins, it's harder to make that same sort of argument because you look at that game in KC and you say, you know what, A, a couple of things went wrong. The Chiefs threw some defenses at the Vikings that maybe they didn't expect. Maybe they thought they were getting more single high and they could run their play actions, and then all of a sudden they couldn't. And what we saw from Cousins was the same thing we kind of always see when it's Uh, An unexpected result, or he gets pressured, or something like that. And he criticized himself for throwing off platform too many times, but it's largely because he was standing in the same spot in the pocket. And I I think if I'm that coach on the hot seat, I'm always going to take somebody who's a little more dynamic, and I think it's where the Vikings are losing ground with their quarterback, as opposed to maybe 15 or 20 years ago where it was all pocket quarterbacks and like three guys who could run.
4: You know, call me crazy, but I think the offense, uh, you know, other than Kirk Cousins, I think there's a they're they're doing a lot of good things. This offensive line, I think, has done a lot of good things, in uh, particular the second half of the season. Uh, you know, the tight ends I think are making plays when, when there are plays to be made. I think uh, you know the receivers are doing a pretty good job. I, I think having Thielen out has hurt, but you, you got to love how we've run the football. You know, running the football has nothing to do with the quarterback. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. in a sense, like, we, we, we might audible from a run to the left or the run to the right or a run to the left, but hey, they have to meet in the box. So let's throw the ball. So it's not, you know, we have control of some things. But the actual thing of running the football, it's get the ball, fake that, give the handoff and make it look like it could be a pass. Like, that's it. Like, that's like no responsibility actually of how that play really works. And of course, mm-hmm. the, the details and those things help a little bit. So uh, of that aspect, the Vikings are one of the best in the, in the NFL. So what does that tell you? The other 10 guys are doing their job. Right. They're doing a pretty good – and they're not perfect, all right? Uh, but a lot of times they're doing their job, and they're going above and beyond and doing their job uh, You know, when the, when a play needs to be made. We're seeing that by a lot of guys, special things. Um, and But we're not seeing that out of the quarterback. You do see that out of you know the Russell Wilsons and the Deshaun Watsons and the Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes and, and even Lamar Jackson with the, with, with the feet. Uh, but I don't feel like I'm seeing that out of Kirk. I'm seeing a, a guy who's executing, who's doing his job when things around him are good, he is hitting guys a lot. Sometimes he's still missing big plays, um, and uh, but at the end of the day, is not really making the team better around him. And that's what Dak Prescott does a lot of times, and that's what Drew Brees did in college, and he's still doing it. And uh, I have not seen that out of out of Kirk, and and uh, you know that has been I, you know so that, that has been disappointing the first half of the season, and and this is another what bigger place to see if Kirk Cousins is going to be that guy that was worth eighty four million dollars than this week
1: well that's right. right eventually it has to happen or he's just not going to be worth it and even he acknowledged that today like he said pretty much every week i go up to the podium for the rest of the season we're going to talk about how big of a game it is and he's right i mean denver even has sort of trap game possibilities and then you go out to seattle and then green bay shows up and then you know week 17 you've got chicago again which everyone else is beating except for the vikings in week four and you know i i I think that is the thing with this season, Sage, that we can look at a little differently than last season when we evaluate, because last year there were huge debates all year long. It was a lot of fun in our position, but um, to debate how much is De Filippo's fault, how much is Tom Compton and Mike Remmers' fault, how much is Kirk Cousins' fault. Well, this year, if they don't beat those teams, if it doesn't happen, I'm sure some people will say, well, Xavier Rhodes didn't play as well, and they didn't have the great defense. But aside from that... He's got everything he needs. He's got the running game. He's got the receivers. He's got an extra tight end to help him out. He's got Delvin Cook playing like an MVP. Like, everything is there for him to win games like this. And if it doesn't happen, it's probably because the quarterback didn't come through, and
4: that's what we saw on Sunday
1: against Kansas City.
4: Yeah, the the aspect of clutch. and And that's what that whole, you know, he's a winner... Type thing is, it's this ability to be clutch when it counts, not always. Uh, but you know, Jordan is the all timer. Jordan was like, you know, and he also lost games too. But you know, he was, you know, clutch when it mattered. You won the ball in his hands, and and. Kirk has not come through in those times you know he 's missed that shot uh, almost every single time and and, and but you know, other than that you know had a nice twenty five point evening during the night you know so did he play well or didn 't if he missed the, the game winning shot or didn 't play well in the fourth quarter and, uh, and and some a lot of these other quarterbacks on this list the way that we started the sort of conversation off with you know did do that. Uh, but Kirk hasn't done that. And, you know, the Vikings are 153 yards rushing a game. Again, that has really nothing to do with the quarterback. So I, I'm, I'm loving that a lot of the other things they're doing. And, by the way, we still, I believe, were correct on the Filippo thing. Oh, yes. I still, oh, I'm not taking you know, it back. We not taking for, it back. We were asking for screens. We were asking for some play action. We were asking for some under center. And when this offense has done its job and done really well it's been those things I don't, I don't know what the screen yards were last week maybe you can look that last week uh, maybe you can look that up for me but they we hit on some screens last week i feel like four or five for 15 to 20 yards i mean a lot of those 220 yards passing were screens um that 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 kirk had so uh, you know this is again this this matchup here is is huge and and you know We'll see how things work out down the stretch and what the Vikings will do next year. If they think, "Hey, we we've put this whole thing together on offense, we just don't have the guy at the at the helm to to, to make it happen, to make every, everybody else better." That sort of leads you into the offseason. You know, what do the Vikings do next?
1: Uh, pro Football Focus has the Vikings picking up fifty nine yards on five for five five for six passing behind the line of scrimmage in that game against uh, Kansas City. So they did. Indeed, do a, g- a good job of setting up those screens, especially. Question: when, Would you he trade?
4: Would you trade Kirk Cousins straight up for Jimmy Garoppolo? Hmm. That's a good question. You know who loves Kirk Cousins?
1: Uh, Kyle Shanahan,
3: Kyle right? Shanahan. Yeah, he's a big fan. You know
1: who's yeah, I, probably not I, see, somehow
4: not a huge I, Jimmy Garoppolo fan? <laughs> Kyle Shanahan sometimes, you yeah, know what I mean. Sometimes. Like I think you know I think what? they they have various personalities, and and I th- you know, but they loved Kirk Cousins so much, like they really. That's the guy they were going to chase until basically Belichick gave Kyle for a second rounder, Jimmy Garoppolo, who everybody loved and who was played well in this offense. But you know, I mean, I, I would would they would you do that? Would you do that trade? So if Kirk, I think I'd do that trade.
1: If Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, and Jimmy Garoppolo walked into a room, could you pick them out from each other? I mean, right? Like, are they not the same kind I'd go, of quarterback?
4: I would go, go. I think I'd go Jared Goff, one, Jimmy Garoppolo, two, and Kirk Cousins, three.
1: I might. I might also. But I want to see how Jimmy Garoppolo handles being 8-0 one, when he takes on some better teams and goes forward here.
4: One minute to a Super Bowl. I know that. Yeah. No, true. I know true. one minute to Super Bowl. With uh, so a heck uh, of a team around him. And, uh, you know, I I like this Vikings team, and I think this roster is a a roster that should be winning, uh, you know, should be in the playoffs this year.
1: All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. Delvin Cook talked about his own value and running back values in the NFL. We've got Delvin Cook versus Zeke Elliott. The matchups are fantastic in this game this week. That's why it's on Sunday Night Football. We'll continue to talk about it with Sage Rosenfels. When we return, you'll listen to Purple Daily on Score North. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers.
2: That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's NorthMemorial.com slash family.
5: Did.
4: Running backs are valuable. Yeah. We take a lot of beating, we pass, pro. You know, everybody want us when we got the ball, and it's like that's yeah, almost every play. So you know, we, it's a physical position, and yeah. you know for guys to get rewarded for how physical, you know how much they get their body ready each and every week to go take that pounder. You know, guys getting rewarded for that. So you know, the running back value kind of went down, but you know. I think we just as valuable in
1: the position. So I want to look at running back value as two different questions. Like it's very valuable to have a great running back. It's extremely valuable. Have you watched any games ever, right? Like you could never say it's not valuable to have a guy who's averaging five yards a carry, breaks every freaking tackle, and can pass block. Uh, but the question is, when you're signing a running back after his rookie deal, are you going to get that same value over the next five, six years? Ezekiel Elliott signed a six-year, $90 million contract, $50 million guaranteed, and $28 million guaranteed at signing this offseason and that is a pretty questionable deal for a running back, considering what happens usually in the future to running backs. So, Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels, what do you think, Sage, of the idea of Delvin Cook eventually signing an Ezekiel Elliott style contract? Because I think they're in the same ballpark as each other.
4: I think his health is going to be important, you know, within that, and, and and until, you know, they redo that deal, and you know how, how much uh uh what does he have a year left on his rookie deal after this season? Yep, that's correct. Is that right? Yep. So I mean that'll be a conversation in the off season and, and they may not get a deal done and then the nice thing is that since running backs don't make that much usually, they could Franchise him, you know. Also for a year, or can they even do? Can they do two years anymore? They can, yeah.
1: They can still, yeah. They they can franchise two two years years,
4: at whatever you know Ezekiel Elliott is making—fifteen million dollars a year, or whatever that number is—or seventeen. And and I mean, because he is when he's healthy, he's fantastic. And so, uh, you know what dallas did is since he was always healthy during those years and his production was really really good they did sign him to that big deal and but my guess is and you, you never know because you could always could be a frank gore situation who just churns them out every single year another thousand yards or whatever uh you you know will that this contract i would assume sort of bring us to the end of the zika Elliott deal you know what I mean? Like, like his, his career almost. Like, yeah. I don't know what he'll have after that. He'll be 31 uh, you
1: know, at the end of the deal.
4: So they basically said, okay, for the next you know, so many years, six years or whatever, we're going to have this guy who's going to churn him out. And you know who, who likes the, the, that thought process? The head coach. The head coach loves that. When he was Troy Aikman's backup, he watched Emmett Smith do that, and to have that, and, and to go, we have a guy that's going to be, you know, a twelve to sixteen hundred yard guy for the next six or seven. That that's a six years. That's a, you know, huge uh, a thing for you. He's been consistent and hasn't been injured and all those types of things. And Dallin Cook would be, you know, could be that. You know, he's been injured some. You know he could be if he 's a guy that could be good for the next uh you know four or five years i 'd pay him big money like that he 's you know he is really impressive when he gets a you know chance to get the edge and if he can you you know stay healthy i i think he 's worth a big number like that you 'd have to get rid of somebody on defense or somebody you know somewhere else and but you know maybe that 's you know the vikings find someone uh you know that they just love. That's a young guy, and they can get rid of a veteran, you know, coming up, and, and there's some salary cuts or whatever. And uh, he's a guy I'd love to have on this you know, team long, you know, for the next four or five, six years, uh, and, and maybe an overpay a little bit because his explosive explosiveness is just rare in the NFL.
1: So, looking at Zeke's contract, it actually is structured decently for the Cowboys for a couple of reasons. I mean, one is that if you franchise tag a guy, that means he's going to. Have that as his cap hit. So if you say franchise tag him at fourteen million, it's a fourteen million
3: dollar cap. Hit, you tag can't manipulate is, it.
4: Franchise tag is the average of the top five salaries. I think it's it five. Is? Yeah, five salaries. So you're going to play high dollar for him. But if you re sign to a deal, you're going to pay him probably that or more than that well if, right you know. but
1: you can manipulate the salary cap to help you out for when you've got to pay other players which is what they've done like anthony Barr is a good example this year anthony Barr has a pretty low salary cap hit and then that jumps up but also they have him under control for a while and then they can get out of it and looking at ezekiel elliott's it goes through 2026 but they could easily get out of it after 2023 and when he's 29 years old. So they've structured it to have that exact area where elite running backs start to fall off. If you look at any age curve, it's usually from the 28 to the 29 season. It really dips off. So if the Vikings were going to do something similar with Delvin Cook, which I think they should start negotiating soon. I mean, I, I don't look at an ACL or a hamstring as something that would be injury-prone necessarily, unless you think Adam Thielen is all of a sudden injury-prone. He has the same hamstring issue as as Delvin Cook. Um, But assuming that he does stay healthy through the rest of the year, and that's not a factor in your analysis, you're looking to lock up Delvin Cook for his best years, and usually for running backs that who are of this caliber and the value that they bring is beyond just your replacement-level player, you want to make sure you've got them through about age 28 and then you can get out of it after that. I think the Vikings could very reasonably do it on a similar deal as Ezekiel Elliott without messing up their future, especially since some players are in their late 20s and 30s now who won't be around by a few years into that. Did I lose Sage from Omaha? What do we got, bad weather in Omaha? Is that what's going on? Man, Sage. Uh, Anyway, so I'll continue, and we'll see if we can get Sage back on. If you didn't figure that out, he's got his own headset and everything, his own little studio in Omaha, and that's how we do the show. It's awesome. That's where he lives. Um, Anyway, so with the running back value, it was interesting to hear Delvin Cook talk about it, Uh, and talk about the value that running backs are bringing to their teams, which is extremely, extremely large. And there's a good way that we can put our finger on just how much running uh, adds. And and not to mention the running backs who catch the ball to the backfield, which includes Delvin Cook. And now um, you have a lot of running backs who are a main part of the receiving core because they're going out and lining up in the slot, like we see with Christian McCaffrey. Um, Kirk Cousins did an extremely good job today of breaking down how when they want to look for deep balls all the time in the NFL, if you have a running back who can sneak out into the flat or over the middle, you can create big plays with yards after catch by just being able to get those guys the ball in the air. And if you're a good receiving running back, uh, that adds to your value. But then it's the, the other conversation is paying. So there's what it's worth versus paying. Um, just for an example here, the Dallas Cowboys this year, in terms of expected points added, have added 25 more points than was expected for the time of the particular play. So if you have first and 10 from your own 25, how many points are added? Well, the Cowboys on the ground have added more than what would be expected at that time by 25 points, which is pretty valuable, considering that the worst running team in the league, surprisingly, is the New England Patriots. They're minus 39. So the swing between being the best, I'm not counting the Ravens because of their quarterback, between being the best running team and the worst is a 60 or 70 point swing. And the Vikings last year lost 30 or 40 points by this metric with their poor running game. And uh, this year, they're on the positive side of things and they're fifth in the NFL in rushing. And I guess that speaks not only to, um, you know, Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak and the offensive line, how it's built, but also to Delvin Cook and how exceptional he is. So when he's in the lineup all the time, it's it's a huge difference maker by the end of the season. It's just... Can you get someone else to also do that? And is this player that you're going to pay going to be worth it down the line? It's a very interesting question that I think is being asked, probably in the Minnesota Vikings front office even now. Uh, We'll see if we can reconnect with Sage. We'll continue the conversation. We've got Hot Routes coming up. We'll return here. It's Purple Daily on Score North.
2: Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business? Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual insurance company. It's our business to protect
6: yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. This download brought to you by Think Great Military Spouses on November 11th. The Think Great Foundation will award $25,000 in academic scholarships. Support the families that support our freedom. Go to to thinkgreatfoundation.org to help at our midweek press conferences today. Kirk Cousins, when asked about his team's ability to bounce back after losses are 2-0 this season, here what he
3: said. Well, hard to attribute anything to it when it's such a small sample size of just two games, but uh, you know, you hope you have a resilient group, and the only way you can show that is is by bouncing back. We've done it twice, like you said, and we got to do it again this week. This will probably be the toughest challenge we've had yet to date uh, against a really good football team. So, great opportunity, but uh, we got to go do it. We've got to have a great week leading up to it to have a chance.
6: Can they make it 3-0 this weekend against Dallas in Dallas on Sunday Night Football? Let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at SKORNorth on Twitter, whether you think they can go 3-0 bouncing back after a loss. Download the Score North mobile app and make sure you register for listening rewards. This month, one lucky app user will win a $200 Visa gift card. And just for having the mobile app, just download the app, register the app, and enter through listening rewards. That's been your Score North. download. Now back to Purple Daily.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. Matthew Collar here. Sage Rosenfeld's having to use via cell phone now because his internet in Omaha went down. What is it? Bad weather in Omaha, Sage?
4: Uh, You know, who knows? It's usually windy here, so probably somewhere a tree fell over or something (laughs) happened. Either way... Squirrel got zapped or something? Yeah, something. So now we're on just a regular phone conversation. (laughs) I'm using my phone's uh, data to do some searching on my journeyman quarterback of the week, so... There are other ways around it, but the quality is not quite as good as using the Comrex. Uh, of how I do this show, uh, you know, two days a week, and uh, do it with uh, Mackie and Judd on on, on Thursdays, and so. Uh, but the, the, yeah, the Wi Fi or the, not that Wi Fi, the internet is down, and and uh, we're, we're going to try this for the next twenty minutes. By the
1: minutes. way, first trip ever of my life driving across Iowa, and wow, was that Iowa! <laughs> I mean, just, you know, driving from Minneapolis to Kansas City, it's just like. I'm going I'm to take that. I'm
4: going to take that as a, you know, since it was ambiguous, I'm going to say <laughs> that was impressive. Wow, Iowa. I'm going to say, yet yeah, you were impressed by how amazing that state is that I was born and raised in and I went to college in uh it is it is a it is a beautiful state isn't it
1: uh i it was everything I thought it was <laughs> I'm,
4: there just, you go. I'm just
1: gonna leave it again a statement that you could take however you want um i I also grew up in a rural area, so I'm used to cows and fields and everything else um but it rained all the way through and you've got just nothing but fields the entire time but aside from that well-
4: Great Iowa. Well, I, I, in eastern Iowa, where I grew up, it was hillier, sort of near Dubuque, Iowa, and so it definitely was not as windy as what we get here, in sort of the end or of Tornado Alley, and I guess Upper Great Plains. I mean, you know, north of Omaha is the Dakotas, and most Minnesotans know what's over there in the Dakotas. Uh, it's a little different over there. It's chillier. It's flatter, and. Omaha's lot a lot, lot, lot like that. So we get some serious wind that I did not grow up with. So everyone's like, Oh, the Midwest, you're used to that and I was like, No, it's windy here. Uh, is summer is summers are too. It seems like always be windy in Omaha something different than growing up in Eastern Iowa, and when I'm in Minneapolis, it's never as windy as it is in Omaha.
1: Okay, enough about Omaha's weather patterns, and on to our Journeyman Quarterback of the Week. Um, for a team that has had <coughs> long-time quarterbacks, like Tony Romo and Troy Aikman, that little time in between there got pretty wonky for the Dallas Cowboys, and actually great for us, because we love Journeyman quarterbacks. So I'm going to give you mine first, in, in case All you're right. still scrolling for information on your cell phone. Uh, I'm going to go with John Kitna. And I'll tell you why. For one, the fact that he's working as Dallas's quarterback coach is a good connection and a classic journeyman quarterback thing. But also that he was once. The MVP of NFL Europe. And anytime NFL Europe comes up, it's an automatic. I'm using this guy. He took the Barcelona Dragons to a championship over the Rhine Fire. Remember those Barcelona Dragons jerseys? If anyone has a helmet or a jersey of Barcelona Dragons, I will legitimately buy it off you because it is amazing. And his NFL career, I mean, he got lots of chances to start. He won some games. Um, you know, had some tough times at the, at the end there with Detroit, but he's the classic. This guy threw for 4,000 yards a couple of times and was also sacked 63 times in one season in 2006. So mine is the great John Kitna.
4: I love that. Uh, well, mine is Brad Johnson. Oh, that's right. He was a cowboy. No, know very well. He was a cowboy uh, near the end of his career. And uh, um, uh, he, you know, Brad had an unbelievable career, also a guy that played in Europe. Uh, you know, he played in Europe uh, uh, you know, for, for a few years and, and had this. You know, m- the funny thing is, you know, when you look up on his w- uh, Wikipedia, there is Minnesota Vikings first stint. He's also a second stint guy. Oh, he, he is. Okay. Minnesota. You know, there, there's a chapter in a book called brad johnson you know brad johnson knows the 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 early brad childress years as good as anybody right mm-hmm. so if you want to talk about early brad childress when he was just showing up from philly you know it's like him and like steve hutchinson right so uh and he also he won a super bowl he won a super bowl only so many super bowl winning quarterbacks and however good or bad or he was or whatever uh he won a super bowl sort of like Trent dilfer and uh but he was a great journeyman quarterback and comes from an athletic family. His, his brother-in-law is, is Mark Richt, the uh, former georgian Miami quarterback <laughs> or, or head coach. Great. And uh, and Big Bull—that was his nickname, big big bad bull. And and uh, I, I tell you, you know, he won a Super Bowl. He's a great guy, uh, known to be one of the great sweaters in NFL. <laughs> as in, like he sweat a lot, and so he would actually change pants between between the uh, pre-game and the and the regular game. And he'd make he'd make his center. He would make his center. Uh, because he sweats so much, and he couldn't throw a wet ball. So he always had all the towels and the wristbands. He was doing whatever he could to keep his hands dry. He would make the center change pants once or twice a game.
3: Oh, like so he time, had issues the with the
4: sweat. The oh, yeah, t- a horrible sweat issue. So he was, a, he was a big sweater himself and didn't throw a spinner. That's you know? amazing. so uh, amazing. That, that, you know, that was sometimes a problem. And I played with him in a, a Kurt Warner charity uh, uh, seven-on-seven sort of seven thing, all-time quarterback. How much fun is that? Did that one year, and, I, and he was, I think he lost a Kurt in the finals, and he never threw a ball past like 10 yards. It was incredible. <laughs> he never threw it deep. His arm was killing him. He had like an elbow, you know, two elbow bands or whatever. He was getting ice down after the game. Uh, he did not have a big arm, but he was sort of a guy who found ways to win, and guys loved him too. I mean, every team that he was on, uh, he was a very, very loved guy. So Brad Johnson. I was going to say, journeyman quarterback of the week. I,
1: I love the elbow pads. If you're a journeyman quarterback, like you say, Jim McMahon or Brad Johnson, and you had something that you wore that made you stand out, like Jim McMahon wore the gloves, and you also had the dark visor. Like, what quarterback wears the dark visor? And I mean, the, the same goes
4: for Brad Johnson. Those elbow pads, those were amazing. The, the elbow pads—is that the equivalent of an, MB, an NBA player wearing two like old like Patrick Union? Like that's a <laughs> the you know for a quarterback that's the knee the knee. Oh, pad the knee pads. Whatever. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah,
4: yeah. What well, the to, to do it on both knees? That's unusual, right? You usually got a pad knee, but you know it was both elbows, I, I believe. So uh, yeah, he was a unique player. I thought he was a winner, and so really loved by a lot of a lot of players. Brad Johnson didn't have a big arm, but he. He had his own style, and uh, he was sweaty. He won a Super Bowl, and he wore elbow pads.
1: <laughs> the, o- the only area where we deviate a little bit from our classic journeyman on Brad Johnson is that he was, he was very much borderline a, a franchise quarterback. He won 72 games and only lost 53 and was a two-time Pro Bowler. He kind of falls under that Chris Chandler sort of like was a starting quarterback for a bunch of teams um, but he definitely had the journey, the, the multiple franchises, you know, things like that. Teams never truly bought into him as their franchise guy. But how about? I mean, he went ten and six for Washington one year, and he won everywhere he went, except for Dallas, well, where he was that backup.
4: Well, before I got to Washington in two thousand and one, you know, Jeff George was our starter, but just a couple of years earlier. Jeff Georgia signed as the backup, actually, to Brad Johnson and ended up sort of overtaking him. And there was, you know, definitely a little controversy around the team at the time because people loved Brad so much. And here we have the sheriff leading the show who they fired after two weeks, right? So when I came to the league, uh, there was a lot of respect on that Washington franchise, uh, of, you know, of him as a quarterback and guys. Turner loved him to death. Uh, when I was down in Miami, you should talk about him. So he was sort of one of those football, you know, uh, you know, gym rat, you know, type of, type of characters always love sports. It's, you know, definitely a part of his blood and, and he, and yeah, he had he definitely good years, but also, you know, played for the London Monarchs, you know, well, that's is interesting. That? He also played. What is uh, the London, London Monarchs? Monarchs in, yeah. Yeah. So I was early, basically NFL Europe and you know that, was, that would lead to a discussion of maybe we should have some time of, you know, I've been doing a little investigating in some of this, you know, I heard a rumor this weekend. It wasn't really a rumor, but you know, the NFL has gone from I think 15 people in London to 75 oh. in the last like 14 months or something like that. I heard that in the locker room uh, in, uh, in in Kansas City uh, this weekend. So you know, that's interesting. You know, you know, could there be another NFL Europe? You know, if there is, they're going to need a lot more young quarterbacks and shooting the offseason. We could be talking about some of these. Uh, NFL Europe games and and you know they're going to be young coaches and you know, who are going to be the coaches and how you know how would that work because you know it's pretty obvious they're trying to get it they're trying to get a thing going in yeah. Europe
1: yep no uh, question it about make that
4: thing into a more of a money producer just like soccer is all over the world the NFL wants to you know they, I, I wonder if there's enough football fans over there to at least have a division I don't think you can do one team or. You know, maybe two teams. I think you'd have to have a division. It would, uh, you know, ch- change a lot of things. Uh, uh, you know, but it could be a money maker. And I think the NFL has changed a lot in the last fifteen years. Basically, uh, you know, when the NFL left, uh, NFL, you know, uh, quit on NFL year because it was losing about thirty million dollars a year.
1: Okay, we're late for the break, but I have to tell you this before you go. You know, who played for the London Monarchs was LeVar Ball. He was he was a tight end apparently for the London Monarchs. So,
4: well, there you have. It. There you have. It. You know, <laughs> that's all you, you need know. To know. <laughs> the guy got a. The guy got touched. Uh, he got. He got. He, he, he knew a failed business. He was in a failed business, and, <laughs> and uh, he, he learned really well from someone of the best in the NFL. Failed uh, uh, yeah,
1: That's for sure. Sage, always great stuff. Um, we will get together probably on Monday to break down what happened on Sunday night. So, uh, thanks for your time, man.
4: All right, sounds
1: good. All right, we'll come back. We've got hot routes for you. Lots of uh, of blazing, fiery routes when we return. And uh, also Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. We're going to talk about the Gophers and Penn State. feel like we should give them some attention, as well as what the draft prospects might be for some of these players on the Gophers. And I also want to ask him about his assessment uh, of Garrett Bradbury so far as a Minnesota Viking. He covers the draft there for pro football focus. We'll do that at 3:20 and uh, we'll have Judd Zelgad in as well for hot routes. We'll be right back here on Purple Daily. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> it's
4: Purple Daily.
6: As questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers.
2: Three! Drag, drag, drag! Red poly. Blue poncho!
6: In rapid fire fashion.
1: Run, flex, right, back. 394 Dragon Smoke.
6: It's Hot rocks on Purple Daily. 580. 397!
1: Okay, it is that time again, The Routes They Do Burn, where we ask questions from around the league, as well as sometimes pertaining to the Minnesota Vikings, in uh, sort of round table fashion, Jed Zelgad, Jonathan Harrison, ramp it up, Jonathan, we're ready to go, and uh, we have a new edition, can you try it out, can you play the NFL music and this at the same time? Uh, Uh, Hold on, let me switch the music. Yeah, see if you can do it. Oh, wait.
6: I had to switch where I was getting my music from. Okay. It's all right. We'll give it time. It's worth it. It's got payoff.
1: There
6: we go. I can't
1: hear it as well as I was hoping to. We'll get it better. Um, We're working on finding old video game clips where they give hot routes or audibles at the offensive line. So that one is from NFL Quarterback Club. Maybe we need to, like, give it a little more space so you can kind of hear it. But there's, like, Tecmo Bowl with a hut, 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 hut. Mack, you love that one. Yeah, yeah the, we, the, the we used to play that club. one. Yeah, so we're, we're working on it. But we want to okay. add that to Hot Routes, old video game connections there. All right, let's start it off. All right. Cam Newton, fellas, was placed on injured reserve. I need to know what's going to happen with Cam Newton. Should he call it a career? Should he sit out a year and come back? Is he going to play with somebody else? How does this play out?
5: Well, I think it plays out with him almost certainly uh, sitting out a year to get his body right. And I think it plays out, if you're asking me what I think he'll do, I think he will try and come back. What do I think he should do? I think he should retire. He's been beat up physically. He's been, think about the amount of times he has carried the football and taken hits. And I understand that he's a very big man. But nonetheless, at some point in time, your body gives out. And I think that Cam is there. And if he comes back now and is healthy now, guess what? Something else soon thereafter is going to go. So I think he will try and come back with a different team here. My advice, if I were his agent, would be enjoy the money. You're probably rich, I would hope, beyond belief. You don't need to
1: play again. Jonathan, do you think he should uh, retire or take some time off and then
6: potentially find another team if Carolina wants to jump ship? I think he should absolutely retire. He's made, what, $121 million over his career? You don't need to play again and risk your body even further. He was fined for giving away those footballs, though, so you have to factor that into his salary, Jonathan. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But they not fine you like $25,000 or something. You get fined for every football that you give away, don't really? you? Yeah. It's, it's oh, a you, really that's high absurd. price. It's been a
5: long standing rule. You throw the ball into the stands or give it I to a I didn't realize kid, it was that high. Fine. I knew it
1: was a rule, but I didn't realize uh-uh, the
5: yeah. fine was that and high. I that's think ridiculous.
1: If you're the fan who catches it, you're supposed to give it to an usher or something. You're oh, really? not supposed to keep it. I think oh, they give it. I mean, if that. Cam hands it to you, I think no one's going to come down and snatch it. In fact, you're fined. Away. But yeah, you If you're a fan, you're fine. fined, right. $2,000 to your credit card information. Um so
6: you think he should retire guess it. Um uh, I think he
1: should retire. No, I,
6: I think, think he, he should doesn't. retire and go
5: into the media. I think he
1: doesn't. I think he tries to play, but I but if you're asking me what I think he should do, I think he should retire. I think he should take a year off and then continue to play. But Only with that stipulation. Like, take next season off, come back, and play a couple of more years after your body is fully healed. I don't think he was fully healed from last year. And then they send him out there in the preseason, he gets hurt again. That would be a stipulation for his future contract. Do not play me in the preseason. Thank you. That was senseless by Ron Rivera. The guy's been around long enough. But looking down the road, there's teams that will need quarterbacks. Uh, yes, right? there, always, I mean, there are. always are. And he could a make lot of them, maybe. a lot more money then. And uh, we've seen plenty of guys come back from injuries. I'm not 100% convinced that Andrew Luck doesn't come back at age 33 and say, you know what? I'm feeling pretty good about playing this game again. And then someone will just roll up a boatload of cash for him, right? There might be an Egan. Boy, that would be something. That would be That'd really be something. But, like, the Tennessee Titans do not have a quarterback. So even if he just took the rest of this year off and tried to find a new team sure. next year, that would be I one thing. I just team think he's so beat the hell. Us. What that about I Denver? Think... Oh, no, there's, Denver. there's definitely teams. Drew Locke isn't going to be their quarterback. I mean, th- th- Chicago's going to need a new Chicago quarterback Chicago will soon. need another quarterback. There will be opportunities here if they decide to move on, and I, I don't know if they will or if they'll have loyalty to him, but that would be a fascinating twist to the teams that need quarterbacks. How about the Jets? They're trying to actively ruin their current quarterback. Yeah, I know I, they'll give him more time. I think, but in terms oh, of teams, that, they
5: will. I just don't have any faith in them. But
1: I believe Tennessee, Denver, and Chicago can actually be good teams if they just had good quarterback play. I think that's what happens. I don't think Cam is walking away from the game. Okay. Uh, Chargers owner, did you see his quotes? I can't oh, read yeah. them. He <laughs> lost his freaking I heard mind him this morning. They had to bleep him out. Right. He swore like crazy when he was asked about the potential of the Los Angeles Chargers moving to london which means it's probably true like a little overreaction oh, yeah. there huh to that story yeah. um let's say that london is not happening which i think it probably will eventually it's just everything is leaning that way but let's say that it doesn't the chargers can't stay in la right like, this has become a laughing stock if they open that new stadium and nobody shows up well, why did they move there in the first place Right. The yeah. Rams well, great, went That's a great question. Right. The Rams went Because there. they were very greedy. It's yeah. the first time yeah. in NFL history any <laughs> owner has been greedy. Yep. Um, let's say, though, that they decide this just isn't working. Yep. The Rams are popular, but no one wants to come see our games. Where should the Los Angeles Chargers move if that is the case?
5: So, what city? So the two rumors that I've seen in recent days are London and St. Louis, actually. Mm-hmm. Again, the third bite at the apple for the St. Louis market. But you know what? one place back to San Diego yeah get a stadium deal done there the the league can help okay the league has billions of dollars but San Diego is perfect for a team the climate there is perfect as can be they did nothing wrong okay they wouldn't build them a stadium but guess what finally somebody said no right so Let's reach a deal of some sort. It doesn't have to be a mammoth, gorgeous stadium. In San Diego, it doesn't have to be a dome. It can be open air. It doesn't have to have a glass roof that's all pretty and shiny, okay? But they belong in San Diego. It was a perfect fit. There was nothing wrong there. Put them back in St. Louis doesn't want an NFL team. They like baseball, okay? They're a a
6: weird market, but they like baseball. God bless them for that. San Diego. The one I saw, I think you, you you did mention it, St. Louis. I think that if you're not going to go back to San Diego, which I can't see their owner doing, just kind of taking the ego hit there and going back to San Diego, go to St. Louis. It's a good – it's a decent enough market. I mean – like you said, they haven't wanted football, though, but it is a decent enough market that you should be. They're all for 2, yeah, so they right. might as well
5: try and go for strike 3, I guess.
6: The, the question with St. Louis is, I don't think of support,
1: though, or whether they show up. It's really corporate support, maybe, yeah, and I, can you actually yeah. make money and there it's a baseball town. as much money? It's, it really a, is. it's not a football town. It's yeah. just a baseball town. It's a weird
5: dynamic, but it's a baseball town.
1: I am going to say Toronto, if there are no plans of moving the Buffalo Bills, which I think there are. I think there are. And I, isn't I, Toronto too close? to Buffalo? I thi- it, Wouldn't no, there be a it's not. You think it issue? is, but it's not. It's, really? it's only a two-hour drive, but it's across the border, and people who are in Toronto are not Buffalo Bills fans, because they played games in Toronto uh, for four or five years, and a, nobody showed up, so they were basically giving away tickets. And B, when they did show up, they showed up in jerseys of different teams. Sure. Just like, oh, an NFL game in our here like city in, in Toronto. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Kind of like Los Angeles or like London, London. like London. They all show
5: up in different jerseys.
1: And it's because they don't have their team. But it's in North America, it's right over there. It's very, very close Can to Buffalo. Can Buffalo block that? Uh, probably, but I don't think they should I, because I just don't think that their fan base is there. Hmm. I think it would be like it. a great, maybe rivalry potentially between Buffalo and Toronto because Torontonians love to come down to Buffalo and cover hockey games or go to hockey games cheaper and then talk about how crappy Buffalo is. As, as if it could be compared <laughs> to Toronto, which is one of the so three hold on or four a second. biggest cities. So they pay less to come there yeah, and, then they they get, and then they trash it. That's correct. I, I,
5: you know what? I like those people.
1: Yeah, they're, uh, Torontonians are are not the classic, super nice Canadians. They they're come a, down, they drink your Tim Hortons, and then they yes. trash you. And uh, Yep, uh, but they made uh, Buffalo Bison's AAA games more entertaining because they showed up for their Toronto Blue Jays prospects. And they can drink,
5: too, right? Oh, yeah. They well, can drink that Molson.
1: But that's a different story. <laughs> so I, I think Toronto would be an interesting market yeah, still for the NFL, like just not to take the bills and move them there, because then all Buffalo is just not going to work for them. Next hot route here. Deshaun Jackson went on injured reserve, and it seems like his career is winding down. He's been a really good player, like the classic Hall of Very Good NFL player. Great career, lots of money. You want him on your team, but he's not Jerry Rice. He's not a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. Give me the current Hall of Fame receivers who are playing right now, where there's no question, this guy is a Hall of Famer. I think the receiver conversation is tough. With who to put in and who not and to put in. And keep in
5: mind, it's very, very difficult to get in yep. at that position, right?
1: And that's why I think so, that the list is going to be
5: very small. <clears throat> so, I did research you on you got to start on with
6: one guy,
5: right? i d- I got four names for you. Oh, wow. All right. I've got four names with two borderline, or actually one borderline guy and one name, food for thought, who I don't think has a chance because of how, this, um, how these discussions and selections and voting goes, okay? Shoe in Larry Fitzgerald. Correct. Yep, he yes. will walk into camp. No doubt about he it. He deserves it. Great player. Longevity. He has everything on the resume that you could want. My next one, Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. I think he goes in. My next one, I think he goes in um, but a little bit statistically behind Jones, but there's a case to be made, A.J. Green. That's going to be 111 games. I think he is. 602 I think he is a Hall of receptions, 8097 yards, 63 touchdowns in 8 years, okay? Jones is at, at 119 748 receptions, 11,000 plus yards, 55 touchdowns in 9 years. Okay, here's where there's going to be a big debate, but statistically this guy deserves it, but there will be a major debate because the holier than thou Hall of Fame committee is going to have a long discussion on this one. Antonio Brown, statistically.
1: I, I think keeping him out would be a crime.
5: I, 131 games, 841 receptions, 11,000-plus yards, 75 touchdowns in 10 years.
1: And he was largely but a don't good you think, teammate and but don't a not you, but don't and all you, things throughout his career. Don't you think the Peter Kings of the world are going to be like, Ugh. Well, let me speak well, up here. Peter King was the one that said that Darren Sharper should be in, so I don't okay, know. Okay, maybe it won't be Peter yeah. King, but I do think <laughs> I know, that they I have know what you mean. The gatekeepers who decided to punish Terrell Owens Correct. for a couple of years and just because he wasn't a the nicest guy. Yeah, who is Can you imagine that? One of the Hall top of fame five ever. Antonio Brown, Brown. Oh, that would be.
5: Kooky. He might not show up too. He though. might do the
1: Trail Owens, but yeah. he. I, I think he absolutely deserves it. I agree yeah. with everybody on their on your list. Is there anybody else on yours? Wait, I got John two. Farmer?
5: I got two more just outside. But could one guy could come in and make it here? DeAndre Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins, and then the one that I think it's an interesting discussion because he's won so much. Julian Edelman. Oh,
1: man, that would be a crime. But I don't think he goes. In. But he's a Patriot. Like, that exactly. Would, that's very possible. <laughs> there's a lot but, of reasons. But you know what? what is interesting about that, though, like. with the Patriots, is there are some guys on those teams that have had to wait longer, I think, because Brady gets all the credit and Belichick mm-hmm. gets all the credit. Like Ty Law. Ty Law is one of the best corners, yeah. I think, to ever play, and yep. he had to wait. right? Didn't he have to wait? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think he did. And then uh, Willie McGinnis still isn't in, is he? I don't think Willie McGinnis so. should be in.
5: I mean, anyway, he's a great player. But
6: Fitzgerald
1: Jones,
5: Green, and Brown to me, and Brown should go in.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, those those are all the guys on my list. I mean, that's that's a good list. I mean, it's going to be like the you guys reason, said, I,
5: heavy research here.
6: It's going to be tough for any of the any of the guys outside of that list to get in because wide receiver is such a hard position to get into the Hall of Fame.
1: I think that Michael Thomas makes it. His numbers through a few years here have been uh, as good as anyone ever. The other guy that I think is really interesting for potential future, and this is where it just gets tough because there's so many great players, but you can't put in all of these guys. But down the road, if they ever get a quarterback who isn't a, I can't say an appropriate word on the radio, but Jameis Winston, someone who is not Jameis Winston, Mike Evans has a chance. And this guy has been one of the most dominant receivers in the NFL every year. It's just that his quarterback is a not great. That's not dude. what Bruce Arians tells and me. a mess. Bruce Arians and loves I, him. I don't know what you're talking about. I would pick anyone over him. I will take Matt Moore over Jameis Hopkins,
5: y- yes or no, do you think? DeAndre Hopkins.
1: Uh, I think that I, if he continues it's like this with right Deshaun Watson, I, yes. Yeah, yeah and, that's, and that's where we get into a really difficult place because Michael Thomas, if he continues like this, is going to deserve it. So is Mike Evans. Yep. So is DeAndre Hopkins. And then there are more guys... Who are on the way who could be very, very good. So I I think it's um and then you also have Odell Beckham too, who has not played very well, like this year, but imagine if he gets it together or if Baker gets it together or if he gets traded somewhere else. I think the gatekeepers keep him out. I really For do. what, though? Dude, I, I, don't, I know, I know I what you're saying. I do not understand with these receivers I, like where they just hate them as people when they didn't really do anything. I think
5: Antonio Brown has a better chance to, to get past the gatekeepers than OBJ does. Like, really? Terrell,
1: Terrell Owens think, did some yeah. goofy stuff, and maybe he wasn't a great teammate. But Terrell Owens didn't hurt anyone. And the same thing goes for Odell Beckham. I mean I hear you. I'm just telling you you know catches, how these guys react. Catches, 100 catches. I mean But he was a pain in New York yeah, and we know that. Yep. Yep. All right. Last one. Here uh And on he didn't talk to me one the Tuesday. <laughs> One sports book is apparently returning bets that people made for Mitch Trubisky as MVP. So I want you guys to give me what your absolute worst preseason take was and why it blew up in your face. Uh,
5: I think my worst preseason take was the night that Andrew Luck retired saying, Oh, the Colts are dead in the water. They and are you not going to. Jacoby Brissett's a backup quarterback. He is not a starting quarterback. And now the Colts are, are five and three, and every time I watch Brissett, I'm pretty damn impressed. So my assumption that Andrew Luck retiring had submarine the Colts, and that's why the fans were booing poor Luck off the field, despite the
6: fact that his career was going to be done. That's probably I uh, was a pretty bad take. Mine was actually a write that down. It was that Baker Mayfield would throw for four thousand yards, thirty touchdowns, and eight to twelve interceptions. Unless he doesn't throw another interception for the rest <laughs> of the season and starts throwing touchdowns like they're going out of business, he's not going to. He's not gonna live up to that. He
1: finds a way to make an ass of himself every really press does. conference. By the way, he said today that he did all the mustache shaving yep. uh because he shaved his mustache off because he didn't deserve to have a handlebar mustache. Like this guy might what? just be a freaking idiot. Yeah. Like, right? I mean a... who acts this way? Yeah.
6: Who's what how are you? Your your team you is awful. That? He's
5: a left handed pitcher, gentlemen. He's a left handed
1: pitcher. He's <laughs> just sort of goofy. But he, but he also might not be very smart. But I mean, as a no. guy, like he might just not have that level of intelligence that is required to be great in this game.
5: Collar, I believe that you and I both had intricate discussions during the course of the off season about two things. One is we were skeptical on Cleveland, if I remember, yes, for and sure. one is be wary of Chicago.
1: Oh, these, those were great So I feel takes. pretty good about those two. I also believed in Lamar Jackson and the Ravens organization. I had them way up there. So there, there were good takes, for sure. What's your but worst take? My worst take was that Atlanta was going to bounce back. That was probably the worst. They were getting guys back healthy yeah. that had been lost the year before. Yeah. And Matt Ryan played really well in 2018, but... Didn't get any help on the defensive side, so I thought, okay, these guys come back healthy and Dan Quinn's a defensive guy. They draft Defense couple, will be fine. I know they draft a couple offensive linemen like Carolina and Tampa Bay aren't that strong, so all they have to do is kind of hang tight with yeah. New Orleans. They have the offense to do so. Julio's still in his prime. Kelvin Ridley's a good player. Like they're gonna roll. Here comes the Falcons. Watch out, Week One. And then we thought They'll the Viking win. the Vikings are but, really good because they won that game. I, I, will I also, <laughs> but I will say this though. Week one, you and I went. Oh no, I was wrong about the. I was wrong about the Falcons. Like week one, we decided that one was over. Um, aside from that, though, the NFL has kind of played out largely like we thought it would. Yes, it has. Like Houston being at the top with Deshaun Watson,
5: Green Bay. We didn't know, and but, but we thought that their offense would be improved and that they would be better. We thought Los Angeles might slip back. Yep, I think so. I didn't um, see San Francisco coming like this. I will say that I. I did a year ago. The yeah. the Niners right now are sitting on the success that we actually talked about in the summer of 2018, right?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, we thought, were we gonna thought really oh, man, they are going to be really yeah, good but, and then, but then they got just hurt. continued to add talent. Um we got a couple of minutes before we get Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus. I want to ask you something, Judd, about what I wrote at scorenorth.com. free website by the way. Uh about the Vikings' offensive kryptonite, yeah. is what I call it. You can read the whole article, did a ton Great piece of film really work good. on it. Thank you. Um, so check that out, scorenorth.com. Um, Kirk Cousins was asked about feeling not being in and how teams try to take away Stephon Diggs, which, of course, he's going to get asked about that now after Diggs had one catch for four yards. Something I discovered from watching the game back was that... Uh, Kansas City was using a lot of two-deep safeties, which means either man coverage with two-deep safeties, cover four, uh, things like that. And noticeably, Diggs would be running go-routes and, and deep you know, double moves and stuff, and he couldn't get behind the safety because they were playing up over the top. And as we know, this quarterback, when there's a safety over the top of his receiver, will not throw it up there, even though he should sometimes. Yes. Let it fly, and if it gets picked off, it's a punt. You'll be all right. like It's no big deal, but he won't do that, so we know that. And Kansas City was able to take out Stephon Diggs that way. Asked about that today, Cousin said, well, you know, maybe we could have run some more underneath stuff for Diggs, which I was a little surprised to hear him say that, but... Um, especially after his head coach had said, you say too much in the media. And then he says, maybe we could have run some more underneath stuff. Which is true. But I think he's right. I, I, I would not disagree with Kirk Cousins on that, that. That's an adjustment you have to make on the fly, mm-hmm. offensively. And that makes me wonder, now this game, I think they can absolutely win. I'm not super impressed with Dallas because of the wins that they've had. And they might be a fraudulent team. But if you can't make those adjustments to get Diggs the football this week and you stick with that same thing and Dallas does the same thing, Kansas City does, we're going to run into what we did last year. I I think it should be a bit of a concern that Kansas City did a thing that was able to put, I don't want to say shut down Diggs because he was still open. They didn't shut down Diggs. They kind of shut down Kirk throwing to Diggs, I think is the better way to put it. I would be a little concerned about that going forward, that other teams are going to watch this. And we didn't think Kansas City's defense was that good, by the way. That other teams are going to watch what Washington did in the first half and what Kansas City did and say, you know what? If Thielen's not 100%, then we're going to do this. Or even when Thielen is 100%, we're going to play these safeties over the top and we're going to double those guys again and force you to do other things. And that's going to require some adjustments for the Vikings on offense, I think.
5: I guess I come back to I don't get uh to Kirk's point, and Kirk's right. I don't understand how mid-game or at some point in time on Sunday, though, you didn't adjust that because Diggs can do a variety of things. It's what makes him so special. Oh, yeah, do he, he can do anything. do anything, basically. And so, you know what? Here's Here's what confuses me. What Kansas City did, if you have the personnel to do it, and it also includes interior pressure, and they do, what Kansas City did is what we've been calling for teams to do for how long now? Like, how many times did we, in that Eagles game, look at what they were doing and say, You're, that that makes no sense? So Kansas City did something that if you are Stefanski Kubiak, you should be expecting. And then you say, okay, they did that, bang, now we're going to do this.
1: Where was the counter-adjustment there? That that becomes my biggest question. So the counter-adjustment from watching the game back on the coaches' film was the screen passes, which was a, a really good adjustment. But Kirk Cousins said in his post-game press conference that you can either be in the penthouse or the poorhouse with screens which was exactly what happened there where they hit a 32 yard screen to cj ham and two others to delvin cook that went for 15 or 20 yards but then they tried one at the end of the game to irv smith who can absolutely run with the ball but they were on it they had anticipated that they were going to stick with throwing those screen passes and then they caught irv smith for a seven yard loss right. that killed any chance of the vikings going down the field for a game-winning drive there and you know you can go to those screens and they certainly do help uh, but you cannot consistently use them they have to be a change-up because once you start to make that a big part of what you do all the time unless you're really super good at it like andy Reid is they're probably going to start stiffing them out i think there are a couple answers here to this which is one to have a secondary plan for Stephon Diggs. Like, this is how we're usually going to use him, but if... <laughs> that shouldn't be that hard. No, it shouldn't. But this is our counterpunch. Correct. Like, he has to be... I I think I've said this since 2016. Stephon Diggs is the centerpiece of your offense.
5: Right, so the. So your your plan cannot be, well, they've taken Diggs away, what else do we do now? It right, has to be, right. they've taken Diggs away from the go-routes and the
1: nine-routes, so now... This lance? And How do we use him now? The other thing that concerns, he can't disappear. The other thing that concerns me a little bit here is down the stretch they're going to face some pretty good interior rushers. They're not done facing good interior rushers in this
5: game, in fact. Correct?
1: And yes, the, said, yeah, uh, Malik Collins. Dallas yeah, is a good one. Okay, so the, there's a there's a bunch of them. I I listed them, and yep. I'm looking forward. to Well, they got the Green article, Bay there's again. There's a, they got Chicago yeah, again. Green Bay again. Chicago again. And uh, even Seattle has a decent interior rusher. Mm-hmm. But um, I, when I listened to Kirk Cousins. Criticize himself for not being as accurate as he expected to be. And part of it being the off-platform throws. He creates those. He creates his off-platform throws by standing in one spot and not drifting in the pocket and not moving. And he's in the right spot technically by how it was drawn up in the playbook. With The way Gary laid it out there, he's exactly in the right spot. But the spot doesn't anticipate Chris Jones picking your guy up and sacking you with his butt. Like right. it's th- for, That's what is frustrating about Cousins is he said today, it's uncharacteristic of me. And, and that's right, that he's a very accurate quarterback. But I just saw this happen in week four, so it's kind of characteristic of you when you get this certain type of pressure. So if you're not able to diagnose that that's what the issue is, is that you're not deciding on the fly to go farther back or to roll out or whatever, then you're never going to change this issue. And going into this game against Dallas, they have very good linebackers who could shut down your run. They have Malik Collins who can get after you. I think it that would be the biggest concern I have going in this game. It's
5: characteristic of Kirk to fall apart
1: when uncharacteristic things happen to him. Correct? That's Yep, that's right. That's just who he is. Uh, we're going to talk with Mike Renner next. Thank you for your time. Thank Mr. you. Zulget. Love hot
5: routes, by the way. Uh, uh, we, always love hot routes.
1: We got some huge football going on at TCF Bank Stadium. TFC, what TCFC T-C- Okay, yep. I don't know why. Eleven AM kickoff. Like, wait off a minute. Did I just mess that up? No, nope, you got it right. You looked at me like I might have. Oh uh, no, no! So we got we got some uh, we got some big football going on, college football, and we want to talk to about that. And which Gophers have NFL potential? We'll talk with Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus when we return on Score North.
3: I'm pretty analytical, you know. And some would say to a fault, but uh, it's a thinking man's game, and quarterback position is a pretty analytical position to begin with. So it's a it's a strength of mine to go back, point to what went wrong, really try to simplify, it, boil it down to what I can fix and fix it. You know, sounds like I may have given you guys a little too much on uh, on Sunday. I I try to uh, you know talk football with you as much as I can. Many times I actually feel like I have to hold it back, and and I sound like I don't know what I'm talking about because I really don't want to give any any trade secrets away. So I guess I may uh, circle the wagons even more. But uh you're right. Yeah, I. I try to really self-evaluate, be hard on myself, listen to what coaches are telling me, and then apply it. You know, and you hope that it'll fix any errors and not let them continue.
1: Right back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Judd Zolged. uh, We're working on getting Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. Um, Judd, what did you think of Kirk Cousins? Unprompted mentioning that Mike Zimmer had chided him in the media for um, revealing too much information after Sunday's game, of which I still can't figure out what it was that Mike Zimmer didn't like. But uh, I thought it was an interesting reaction from Kirk Cousins. Oh, where do I start?
5: Why? <laughs> why do they do this? Um, my takeaway is that Kirk, being Kirk, overanalyzes, overthinks everything. He he truly is, as a human being, the anti-case, right? Keenum, everything was just like, whatever Mike said. I, I Whatever, I don't care. Mm-hmm. This guy actually, I wouldn't have given that a second thought. I would have gone to Mike and said, what are you talking about, Mike? I said nothing. I talked for 10 minutes and said nothing. But it's just, you know, Mike can't help himself. Here's the problem. Mike in Mike's way can't help himself, right? And then Kirk in Kirk's way can't help himself. And it's like, this is just all a bunch of, you know, How many times do we hear athletes and coaches talk about noise and things aren't distractions or they tune out distractions, right? Like, we put aside all the ancillary stuff because it's all football. These two, between the two of them, do nothing but mull over the ancillary things that shouldn't matter. So, yeah, we we actually went through the entire press conference on Monday trying to find out the same thing, which is, what did Kirk say here? What did Kirk say? But you know what? The sad thing is, Kirk's quote there actually shows that Kirk is thinking about something, that Kirk has no business being focused on. Because you talk about things that don't matter,
1: that does not no, matter. it didn't matter. That, and that was my complaint about what Zimmer said, just taking this sort of little pot shot uh, as he answered a very different question. And I thought, why even bother your quarterback with this? I mean, what what's interesting to me, Judd, about this situation is that early in the season when Cousins didn't perform well – Zimmer would neither criticize him nor defend him, which has largely been his approach to Kirk Cousins since the day he got here. Mm -hmm. I mean, you and I have talked about it. We've sort of, Courtney and I have laughed a little bit about it, but Zimmer in the introductory press conference doesn't go up and say, We are just thrilled to have this guy as our quarterback. He's like, Well, he's good in the bootlegs. And you're like, Mike, I mean I know and Sheldon's is, in back and I'm going to go talk uh, yeah. to Sheldon Richardson ASAP. I, it's like I I know that this is your personality to right. be like analytical about the quarterback and sort of break down quarterbacks and how you stop them and what they're good at, but you're not exactly like co-signing this move from the very start. And then when he struggled last year, he would say, you know, Kirk's been pretty good and it's DeFilippo's fault mostly. We need to run the ball more. And then you go into this season and the entire conversation is we want to run, we want to run, we want to run, which isn't exactly a ringing endorsement. And you get to Chicago, he doesn't play well. Somebody asks him, why do you think it is that Kirk can't win these big games? And Zimmer says, I don't know, you'd have to ask him. It's like the perfect opportunity for Zimmer to say, I am tired of you guys saying this. We had plenty of opportunities to do other things. We didn't run the ball. We could have stopped him on defense. He could have gotten defensive for his quarterback. Instead, he's like, I don't know. Don't Don't ask me that question. You're like, what? You're not even going to defend your starting quarterback? And now, then he criticizes him really for the first time ever, an actual criticism of Cousins, and it's about something he said in a press conference, which we can't even figure out. Which you might not find. The, The handling of Cousins from Zimmer has been so much different from the other quarterbacks, where with Teddy, if you said, hey, did Teddy overthrow that? He'd be like, I've got a gun in the truck. And if you ask me that question again, I'm going to go get it. Yeah. And it's like, okay. All right. Don't, he said that Teddy was the best person of all time when he was asked. He almost started uh, crying at times like, when talking about Teddy. Uh, yeah. He did. That was my and, favorite Zim. And, and I, and I get it from covering Teddy, what he uh, means to a lot of people in that organization and, and what a great leader he was and all that stuff. We've talked about it. And then, but with case, he had those leadership qualities too and an underdog mentality, but Zimmer handled it completely differently where he almost looked at Case as, you're going to ruin my number 1 defense. I have a number 1 defense, and you are going to throw it away. I know you are, and I can't wait for it because it's going to happen. And then he did. Um, Zimmer wasn't wrong, necessarily, but he was so openly critical. It was odd, though. And then with Cousins, it's almost like you will ask him sometimes, well, what do you think of his personality? Because he had good things to say about Sam Bradford's, where he was quiet at first, and then they got to know each other, and they really actually liked each other by the end. Uh, or by the time he got hurt there in that week one game. And he won't really say much about his personality. He won't really say much about his games when he loses. Mm-hmm. He won't say much about his games when he wins and plays spectacularly well. He'll say Kirk like, played okay. Kirk let, played well. Right. Let's not forget that the guy, you know, for the last four weeks was the best quarterback in the NFL um, before this last game against Kansas City. And and there's no real defiance in it when you ask critical questions about cousins. It'll usually just be uh, I don't know. I mean, he's played okay, and it's like, how what, what's the feeling we're supposed well, to have here? I mean, it,
5: but I I think the important the more important thing is is from Kirk's standpoint. I think that there are some athletes and quarterbacks who would be fine with Mike. They'd be like, okay, whatever, don't care. Sure, Case, Case was wants, great. Yeah. I don't care. Literally, I don't care. Hey, Case, Mike said that you got a horseshoe up your rear end. Okay, cool. I don't care. But Kirk is, Kirk's personality and demeanor screams, I need your support, right? He's the candidate that has to have the support. Everyone has to be behind him. He has to, and Mike either doesn't care, doesn't get it, doesn't have time for it. So it's a very bizarre thing. Because you watch Kirk operate, and Kirk needs the infrastructure. I, I I don't think it's beyond um the correct thing to say is that when, when we talk about things being perfect for Kirk, we're not just talking about on Sundays on the field. Like, the more you insulate Kirk with support, Kirk, we got your back here, the more he potentially thrives. And he can thrive. He can be a good player. But I think as far as quarterback-head coach relationships go, this one is just, it's two polar opposite human beings that don't, understand what the other one is doing and or in Mike's case, What his quarterback needs. Unfortunately, for Mike, he is tied to Kirk Cousins. Yeah. So it would have been in Mike's best interest at some point in time to be like, I really don't like this guy that much, but I should figure it
1: out. So it it wouldn't be described as a contentious or combative relationship. It would almost, to me, just be described as there isn't really one. Have you ever seen a
5: parent who doesn't identify with his or her kid, sort of? (laughs) And it's not that they don't like each other, just they
1: don't understand the hippity hop music. Yeah, they just, they
5: don't, and they don't just, they don't get the kid. Like they got a fan, they got like three kids, and they, two of them, they are fine with and it's great and the third one they're like i don't get you that's how i perceive mike and kirk because you're right it's not contentious but it's very much like to me when i see kirk i'm seeing a guy who's saying the football
1: equivalent of love me love me well okay so i i think i'm not sure that kirk needs sunshine blown up his rear by zimmer but i do think he got really tired of his own organization trashing him in D.C., sure. which that organization is garbage, and it's yep. run by horrendously bad owners and probably a lot of bad executives as well who consistently do the stupidest things possible. And when the general manager, president, whatever he was, president of the team, I think, um, called him Kurt a bunch of times, like was, that's Re- Bruce Scott, Allen, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Was McLaughlin... McLaughlin was the one who yeah, he, who, was the he one said... He, how do, How do you like it? Like now? Me? Yeah. yeah, yep. like yep. now? So clearly that was a bad relationship. Yes. And they treated RG3 like he was the, the king. Yep. And then, you know, when Kirk uh, was winning games for them and making them a relevant football team, they did not treat him the same way. They treated him like kind of the stepchild or wh- however you want to put that. And uh, I could understand where he would say or think, like, I want to be welcomed to wherever I go. Yep. And... I can relate to this a little with like Buffalo having a lot of contentious relationship with people and wanting to go somewhere here in Minnesota where I get along with all of my coworkers and fellow media members. And from that perspective, it's been great for me uh, because you know, we've got the show and we get along with people and everything else and I'm wildly rich. So all those things probably, right? probably uh, been wildly rich. No, Jonathan completely missed it. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but, uh, Kirk is wildly rich to come here, but yes, he even is. if he is, even if he is, because you could go, well, what's your problem? It's $84 four million. But, I mean, you want to be welcome to where uh, you were signed. And I'm not saying that Zimmer hasn't been welcoming enough or that he should be expected to as the head coach. It It's more under the category, to me, of, huh, Rather than Zimmer's doing something so tremendously wrong, I yep. thought the sideswipe was not a good way to go because of the game they have coming up here. And clearly, like you said, it's on Cousin's mind because nobody even asked him about it. It was like a, it was like a like sort of roundabout way of And I might be saying less now too, yeah. which,
5: which is a very passive aggressive way to say when I don't answer your question next time. It's not my it's fault. Not, it's, it's Zimmer's Mike, fault. Blame Mike. Right
1: and. Kirk, when things are bothering him, does his sort of smile thing. And he was right there. But he's not wrong to be annoyed with that. I I think when we criticized Cousins so much last year, so much of it was about the front face he was putting out to the rest of his teammates and to the fans when he would say, Well, you tell me what happened on the interception or get defensive. It sort of looked like, Okay, what's your problem here, man? And he would say, well, this guy, if he would have blocked, then we would have been fine. And and that's not a good look inside of the, um, wow, some surprising Vikings news just came about my feed, which drew me to actually check if this was a fake account. The Vikings have claimed Andrew Sandejo. What? (laughs) Off of waivers. Should we come back and discuss that? But why? There are very few things that stop me in my tracks. That stops me in my tracks. But why? Because Anthony, Anthony Harris, Harris a missed the He tackle? had a bad game and Zim's ticked. That's why. Okay. Uh, some safety depth. Are they going to cut J. Ron Curse for what happened? I, they expect him to get suspended that was weird nothing would surprise me all right uh, just to try and finish the thought um about cousins in the relationship it just goes under the category of i don't really understand it because now i know zimmer's an honest guy and he shows his cards and i appreciate that about him and i'll always say that but if if i were advising him like how he should handle kirk cousins questions i would say look guaranteed money okay he's gonna be here for three years exactly yep you will be here with him assuming you guys win together. So when he has a bad game, then you're defensive about it. When he has a good game, then you praise him. Like that those are your only options because he's your guy. It's like when you coach Aaron Rodgers. If you go out there and be like, I don't know, I don't know about Aaron Rodgers, people are going to be like, what? He's the franchise quarterback for Green Bay until the end of time. So Matt LaFleur better figure it out because it's easier to get rid of you than it is to get rid of him. And I'm I I think that he looks at Cousins In a a sort of similar light to Case Keenum, but not quite for the same reason. He looks at Cousins as, if you don't make this happen, if you no-show in these games and you lose for us and I get fired, it's going to be because of you. Even if my defense is good, which hasn't been as great this year, but he looks at it as, we put our entire stock into you. We put everything. And he doesn't really like, since Bridgewater, he doesn't really like quarterbacks that much. We slid all the chips, though. We slid all the chips onto you. And when he doesn't perform, I'm sure it's got to make him crazy, especially if his defense plays well. So it's an interesting uh, dynamic. But, all right, Anderson Davos coming back to the Vikings. Unexpected. Let's talk about it when we come back here. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgat on Purple Daily.
6: Jonathan with the Score North download for this hour brought to you by the Think Great Foundation. Military spouses on November 11th. The Think Great Foundation will award $25,000 in academic scholarships. Support the families that support our freedom. Go to thinkgreatfoundation.org to help the Score North Podcast Network. Consists of more than a dozen shows from Purple Daily and Raised by Wolves to The Scoop with Doogie and Royce Change. You can find a full list of these Minnesota sports podcasts over at scorenorth.com in the Score North mobile app or just search Score North, SKR North, anywhere you find your podcast. Stefan Diggs asked today if defenses change how they cover him. When Thielen is gone, obvious answer is yes, but here's what he had to say a little bit more in-depth on it.
4: Differ, I guess. Uh, you can definitely see a difference as far as what they like to do and what they try to take away. I get a lot more cloud to my side, but just kind of rolling with the punches as far as like, what I can do is if I can put my other guys in a position to get open and make plays, then I'll do so. And when my opportunities do come, when they crawl up and want to take a chance, got to take full advantage.
6: That's been your Score our Download. Now back to Purple Daily.
1: Stephon Diggson's getting fined.
6: Elite press conferences.
1: A, that is a man who, who I, he can catch one pass, ten
5: passes, can be targeted zero times, a hundred times. He's not missing another day of work. He
1: is now very And he's talking to you guys at every chance he gets. Do you need me? Do you need me now? Hey, he's uh, since then, uh, the slight wake-up call there and the fact they could have uh, voided his guarantees um, <laughs> probably did help uh, with Stefan Diggs. But that was a good answer from Diggs. No, he's I mean, an articulate, smart guy. He absolutely can be. And uh, at the podium, usually after he has great games, he doesn't want to say a whole lot. But uh, in this case, he didn't have a great game and gave kind of an explanation there. So uh, the Vikings bringing back Anderson Deho. And I think, we'll we'll see, the more interesting headline is who's out. Mm -hmm. I mean, are they going to move somebody off the bottom of the roster, like Marcus Epps, who was a borderline type of practice squad player, like that kind of guy coming out of training camp. He didn't really shine in training camp or OTAs or any of that uh, preseason, but he's been a special teamer for them, Marcus Epps, sixth-round draft pick. And I wonder if they would prefer to have a little more... Depth, maybe a little help on special teams. I don't think they've really done anything super is wrong Cindeo, on special teams. Is Sendeo
5: going to? Is this an indication that he's going to actually play on defense? I
1: don't know. I, I mean, maybe this is where I'm a
5: little bit murky. Here. But,
1: but, but here would be the one you'd say is most obvious: would be to cut J. Ron Curse. And my theory on that would be: well, one, J. Ron Curse has played a grand total of one defensive snap since week seven. He played a bunch of them throughout the year. He played 25 in Week 6. He played 43 in Week 1, 37 in Week 2. He was a regular part of the defense and did a good job early in the season. Right. And then all of a sudden, it goes completely blank. He doesn't get back in the game at all. I mean, even with Mike Hughes back, you'd think that Curse is a um, different enough player with his size and his height, 6'4", 225. He could play that hybrid linebacker. He's an asset to you. And just to go zeros almost across the board over the last three weeks, then you have his off-field incident, the loaded gun, the drinking and driving. And my other theory about this is Mike Hughes is a valuable part of the future here. As we've seen, your two corners that are there right now, they ain't going to be here next year, I don't think. Mike Hughes has to be the starter in one of those. You Mike, think they're both gone? Mike, I think they are. Okay, yeah, I think uh, Wayne's in free agency, and they probably release Xavier Rhodes. Okay. Or try to trade him. Um, But that means Mike Hughes and potentially Holton Hill. We'll see on Holton Hill if he gets in the game and plays. Or maybe someone else in free agency. Or guess what? Another first-round draft corner. It's possible. And it would even make some sense. Uh, But he was with J. Ron when they were arrested. And... If you're Mike Zimmer and you know how valuable Mike Hughes is to your future, he's got to be my top corner. He's a first-round pick. We've been developing him. We've been putting a ton of time into this guy, and he looks talented to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't want somebody else who's a replaceable player, a special teamer, a seventh-rounder, who's his buddy, causing him any problems because this time Mike Hughes wasn't charged with anything or whatever else. But if there are any further incidents and Hughes is with J Ron curse, or they feel like curse is a bad influence with uh, those two being tight, then you would say, well, I mean, it's an easy choice. Let's get this guy away from this other guy and bring back our old buddy, Andrew Sandejo, who knows the defense and can step right back in. I wouldn't expect that Sandejo would take, Anthony Harris's job I think that would be a very bad so the, decision Harris This could has been be great.
5: spielman as well as uh, Mike then if they don't like what they saw from curse as far as his potential influence on a teammate this could be the GM as well Saying ah, oh this sure is a bad oh idea. sure
1: yeah no it could it could be all of them saying we got to make sure that Mike Does stays have Sunday has much now?
5: left I thought he was
1: let go because he didn't have much left um, I would, and didn't Philadelphia cut him but for a backup did he knock his teammate out in Group Cold he, in Green Bay he did yeah for a backup it's probably fine if they plan on playing him then I would be a little more concerned all right all right that's Purple Daily Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next tomorrow we're gonna break down all the matchups with Alex Boone that will be fun all right we'll talk to you then.